0: Today's podcast loaded with a ton of hoops. Tales from the Couch. We go over Miami's win, Utah's incredible comeback win against Cleveland. We're going to talk some Charlotte, uh, Toronto, Orlando's win in Portland. Not as much on Golden State playing the backup Suns and getting smoked. Uh, we'll do that with KOC. Some of the second year guys. When Nyama fits. I don't think we agree on that one all that much. And then life advice. So a lot of hoops. Enjoy. This episode is presented to you by Lululemon. The perfect pants do exist, and you can get them at Lululemon. The men's ABC pants are shockingly comfortable and breathable, and they come in tons of different styles and fabrics, all made to make you look and feel good. Whether you're in the office, at the gym, cheering in the stands, or just relaxing at home, these pants are in a league of their own. Buy a pair today at lululemon.com. This episode is brought to you by Hulu Plus Live TV. Tired of paying for cable TV? Switch to Hulu Plus Live TV today to watch over 95 live channels for sports news shows and more. Plus, get access to Hulu's entire streaming library with access to Disney Plus and ESPN Plus all in one plan. No long-term contract, no hidden fees, and no clunky cable box. Get Hulu Plus Live TV today. Live TV plan required. Restrictions apply. Access content from each service separately. Learn more at Hulu.com. We start Wednesday's pod, Tales from the Couch. Okay, um, this really became a preference thing on what I wanted to focus in on here. Uh, it feels a little long at the beginning, but we'll keep it moving towards the end. A little zone fest for you earlier viewers. Uh, yes, I start almost every day slash night, early evening with Detroit basketball. That was not going to happen last night. Uh, down forward to the Sixers. Congrats to the Sixers. Uh, still like Diallo, though. Still like him but uh, Detroit was missing a few people last night. So, uh, Zone Fest there, Toronto against um, Charlotte. Miami doing it against SGA early on there. So, let's let's dig into Charlotte at Toronto here for a bit. I don't know if there's much to talk about here with the Hornets. This could be an end-of-the-season wrap for me. Uh, LaMelo, I float between, wow, this guy's amazing, he's awesome, and then there's other nights where I'm like, What is he doing out there, Um, which is probably not fair to him still, because if there's one lesson that I keep reminding myself of now, it's that we've had these incredible development stories that have been pretty unprecedented throughout NBA history to have players that know look like they're going to be somebody and then there's a step and it's like okay that's probably who they're going to be and then there's this next step it feels like it's happening more and more than I can ever remember and watching NBA basketball but it also doesn't absolve anyone from getting off to a slow start because then it kind of becomes this fan default defense of any player that you spend a high pick on where you just point to everybody else that's gotten good later on like if your guy in the lottery he hasn't scored any points, you're like, well, look what Kawhi did early on. He was like, well, cool. Now he just has to be a finals MVP in like three or four years. So, uh, both are worth reminding ourselves of, but at the same time, that defense can be a little different, but look, Lamelo's far further along than some of these other developmental guys that I'll talk about. But, you know, he, he has these stretches where I just don't know what it is that he's doing. Uh, in the third quarter, he had four heat check threes in, in three minutes, like bombs. But then you look up the numbers, and he's like 38 39% from three. Even though he's taking 11 a game right now, feels a little settle He's still at a really high number. So you can't knock him for taking those. Uh, I've always talked about his start-stop with the ball in his hands. It's pretty incredible for somebody his size. He sees things other people don't see. He had Van Vliet. On him, he went right past him, then froze the defenders like there were safeties, and he was a quarterback frozen with his eyes, and then just dumped it off to a big. It's not like the team is great around him, you know. Mark Williams is finally starting to play a little bit. Nine games since Christmas. Hayward was out again last night. He's missed twenty-one of the forty-two games. We know Rozier's pretty good. We know PJ's decent. Jalen McDaniel's. I don't know. Really, it feels more like he's a Charlotte rotation player than an NBA rotation player. I know that he's built his defense. The handle's a little bit better than you would think. The shooting's dipped a bit, but I think he's 25 at the end of this month, which makes him a little bit older in the McDaniels that we get confused with that are in the league. Um, and yeah, I already mentioned P.J. and Rozier. The foul rate for Lamello's up a bit more. He's fouled out of a few games. I don't know if that's that big of a deal. I think the weird thing is that he's so locked in And dynamic and he keeps possessions alive later. He keeps his dribble alive later. He sees passes that other people usually don't see. And yet then on defense, he looks like a bored kid who's in a classroom who, you know, if it's not his turn, he's just not interested. He's flat footed. That's what leads to the foul rates. He makes, he takes really bad risks. He gets out of position. He just kind of falls asleep all the time. You're like, what is going on? So I, I think when you're thinking about him as like the one you're going, okay, what is, what is he going to be? Cause that's the standard that we are going to hold somebody who is drafted that high, you know, has these accolades early, but then you start to kind of get to that next phase of your career where it's like, okay, what are you going to be here? And at times it is so impressive. And, and other times I'm kind of confused about what it is and, and tempers maybe the ceiling expectation I have for him. So the reason I'm talking about him this much is they have the third best odds to win the lottery and land Victor Wenbanyama. The Lamelo angle with Wenbanyama is going to be if that were if they were to get the pick, everyone is going to I would say there's a majority, maybe not everyone, is going to start to say like wow, you know, think of the lobs. Think of the lobs it's going to be said over and over again. This would probably be one of my least favorite destinations for him. The ownership is terrible. People don't say it nearly enough. Jordan's been a bad owner from the jump, and he he just isn't a good one. So, that wouldn't be great. And the rest of the roster, yeah, there's a little piece here, something I may like there. Uh, I know that from a talent standpoint, the Bridges issue isn't Charlotte's fault, um, so losing that for nothing is not ideal. But I, I feel like this is a real kind of stuck organization. And I guess you would argue, well, adding somebody like Victor is the number one pick, like changes everything. And in a way that it it does, there's just other teams where I think he has a better chance to succeed and be the best version of him. Uh, even if the early part of that, if they were to win the lottery again, we're months and months away from even thinking about this. There's going to be, I think, an overwhelming like applause for it because it would be, oh, these lobs. It's like, it's going to be a little bit more than just lobs from your one and center the entire time on the Raptors side uh, they're 18 and 23 with this win uh, only seven teams have a worse record than them uh, it was back and forth they put up 72 I think in the first half you're always worried about their offense a little bit because they can feel a little no it's your turn it's my turn it's your turn it's my turn without much flow to it this is not the case last night they also hit 23s which is season high from them they went on a 14 zip run took this game over Van Vliet a couple threes who had been miserable from the floor OG a couple threes as well uh, so then Toronto scores some points there. But I started looking at the offense again. Overall, the offensive rating higher than you would think. There's just some issues when they've had some of these half-court numbers that are terrible, and this has been something that we've seen more from them in the past, uh, but 15th overall, and then the last 15 games are 15th. So there you go. Nothing great, but the record's still always a little bit more surprising unless you're locked into the Raptors every single night. Okay, Oklahoma City at Miami. Who wants to watch some free throws? All right, so Miami went 40 of 40 from the free throw line last night. Is that a lot? Yes, it is. It's a new NBA record breaking Utah's from 1982 when they went 39 from 39 from the free throw line. Uh, I thought Oklahoma City was going to win this one. Miami, by the way, without Bam, Hero, and Lowry, uh, that's probably very familiar now for Heat fans, just looking at the lineup being like, who are we missing tonight? Uh, Once again, an incredible credit to the front office and Spolstra, to piece this thing together and do what they're doing. Cause I think a lot of heat fans, I think I have this right. I think they're only 15 and 13 with Butler in the lineup. Um, but it looked like Oklahoma city was going to win this game. There's an SGA three giddy baseline runner. And then there was this really nice play where I, you know, I credit Miami for this too. They just were like, screw this. Let's sell out against SGA. They played some zone against them earlier. I didn't see it as much late. And, then it turned into four on three. And it's amazing because then you have Giddy initiating your offense four on three on the other side because they sold out with two against SGA. And then he makes what I thought was going to be the game winning assist that led to his triple double last night for Giddy uh, because so much of the defense focused on SGA. And they're like, somebody else go ahead and make a play here. And Giddy drives, reads it perfectly, little easy pass for him. But then that's not what happened, is it? Because Oladipo hits a three. His month has been really good 16. Four and four, 46% overall, 40% from three. He's hitting four free throws a game. He's 31 minutes per game uh, in this stretch. I don't know if people, maybe it could sometimes be me where I'll think, wait, did I realize how few games Oladipo has played? And I know when you hear that, you're like, oh, yeah, of course I have. Are you sure you truly know the extent of how limited he has been? So if you go back to a full season there, 19 and 20. God, let's look this up. So that Pacer season going into 18, 17, 18, when he played 75 games, he was incredible. Like all NBA level, uh, made his first all-star team, got off to a really good start the next year as well, played only 36 games in 18, 19 and 19, 20, he played 19 total games. In 2021, he played 33 games nine with the Pacers, 20, um, 20 with Houston, four with Miami. Then he played in eight total games last year in the regular season and only 16 games this season. I mean, we're, it's been 17, 18 with three different stops since he's played anything close to a full season. That's a lot of missed basketball. So he's been better um i know that everybody kind of looks at it as like at this turning the corner i don't know that that's ever going to happen again i just i just don't god that's a ton of missed time uh, for somebody that was like really when it his peak special when he was athletic okay so He hits the three, and then the game-winning play ends up being a Butler and one, which you could see this coming a mile away. I mean, he looks for the contact first, is strong enough to then finish. He's hunting free throws, I think, more so than ever in his career, even though he's at 8.2 attempts per game. There's two other seasons where he actually took more free throws. There's other seasons where his free throw rate has actually been higher. Um, His advanced stuff for this season is off the charts for Jimmy Butler. He's also missed 14 games, which I think for an older player, when you're missing 25% of the game, a lot of your efficiency stuff is going to be better because it's hard to play a full season. Uh, but this is the scattering report on him. You have to stay down. You have to stay down. You cannot put yourself in a situation to be compromised defensively where he initiates contact. Because not only is he going to do it, he's also pretty good on the end one stuff too. So that ended up being the game when he play Miami wins this one. There you go. Okay, Cleveland at Utah. Uh, Jared Allen leaves this one. Doesn't come back for the second half because of illness. Uh, Mitchell cooking his fifth 40-point game of the season. I think he only has 14 for his career, so uh, he has stepped it up here in Cleveland big time. Uh, I really feel like he and Garland play the perfect complementary, like high-usage guard stuff with each other. It's not necessarily the most fun for the bigs. I was tracking Mobley's touches in the last stretch of the rotation from the fourth quarter when he came back in was in. He had like one design touch, maybe two. Uh, there was a four on three where he made a great pass, and then there was another play where he kind of you know, off a roll, um, he took a shot. But, you know, you're just not gonna you're just not gonna shoot it a lot as a big anymore in the NBA. But what you hope is that your guards don't screw each other up in the process, and they don't. And they're both incredible from three, 40% for Mitchell, 39%. So basically that, let me throw in a little Lamar Stevens love. I know he's not hitting enough shots for somebody that was such a big time scorer at Penn State but I think he's important because of his body type against Kevin Durant like that'll be the assignment if this is a playoff matchup because they don't really have the other wings that are big enough to compete because you know again the guards are a little bit smaller although Mitchell is stout and strong enough and the wingspan is incredible so Mitchell should have always been a better defender and he has been more engaged with Cleveland so that's kind of what you're looking at there and then Jordan Clarkson happens all right just so we're clear on what what happened last night it's 122 left in the game. Cleveland is up 107, 102. Clarkson hits a three, lands forward on purpose, is given the free throw. All right. I still wish we could get rid of this stuff. I don't want to hear about landing area. When you land into the defender's landing area, that should be your fault. Not the defenders. I mean, this thing's a fucking joke. And the league completely overreacted to the Zaza-Kawhi thing. And now this is what we get. I mean, we get to review it. So this whole thing takes a fucking week to sort out. Um, he makes the free throw. So that's a four-point play. But because it was ruled a flagrant, we're at 107-106. And they've got the ball. So then Clarkson gets fouled by Levert because for whatever reason, Karis Levert, even up one point with a minute left in the game, can't pay attention to what the hell's going on. Uh, let's himself get kind of caught up into Clarkson's back. He does touch him. I didn't love the call, but even worse, like, Lavert, what are you doing? You're just kind of getting lost in all the motion, and then you let yourself get caught in a spot where you're going to get called for a foul. So that's three shots. Clarkson, of course, makes all three of them. In 12 seconds, this goes from 107-102 Cleveland to 109-107. Clarkson hit just a nasty runner against Mobley uh, later on to make it 111-107. So there you go. A win for Utah. But Utah, not sure if you know this, they're the 10 seed now since they were 10-4, 11-19 overall. Yes, Sexton has mixed some games, but still, you know, the Utah season playing out a lot more like we would think it would uh, before the season got started. Okay, let's go now uh, I didn't. I thought I was going to watch Golden State Phoenix. And then I saw Phoenix's lineup: eight and out, Chris Paul out. We know Booker's going to be out for a stretch. Both the Cams were out. But then with Steph Curry back, Wiggins back, Draymond back, Clay, who in his last six games has averaged thirty-six per. This was the Doc Rivers rule in full effect. Um, Golden State was just getting run out of their own building. Somebody may have told his buddies, hey, check out the line for the live line in the second half because Phoenix doesn't have anybody and Golden State's just kind of stuck. Like, is this going to happen for 24 or more minutes? And then it did sort of. And then Golden State looked like they were going to come all the way back, kind of. Um, and then they didn't. So there you go. Loser. Sorry I gave that one out, boys. You know who you are. Let's, uh, let's go to Orlando. in the fourth quarter, Orlando's up on Portland. Portland's got a full squad there. Uh, There's always a little bit of a fight with me when I'm watching it, going, all right, how are they going to use the guards? Because they had both Cole Anthony with Fultz in the game at the same time. Uh, Cole Anthony, solo drive, that was the last we kind of saw him. He's just going to have moments where he's going to decide, this is my turn, and there's always better options around him. It's not to say he's never supposed to shoot, but you get the point. I've probably mentioned this too many times before. All right, let's look at three specific plays for Orlando on offense late in this game where Franz Wagner basically sealed it for Orlando, even though you know there's still a chance there at the end. Okay, so Grant is assigned to Franz in this scenario. Eubanks is playing center because they wanted to go smaller uh, in this one. And Nurkic also had foul trouble. Um, which is not new, but he had a a good game otherwise. All right, so Grant is on Franz, and Eubanks is kind of in the drop role as the the five here. So Eubanks is calling out defensively what they want to do, okay? And you've heard ice probably a million different times. Icing, although there are different variations, and I do not know all of them. Um, In this scenario, the way they were running this high pick and roll, it would have been likely that they were trying to ice it and send it to the sideline right bring the big up get this thing going in one direction get it going towards the sideline so there's really we're only defending in one direction you want to keep it away from the middle um yes i'm sure some of you who are more educated on it with the coaching backgrounds that you have um would understand variations uh better than i would or the terminology that would have to do with the variations i'm just explaining this because jubanks is screaming ice over and over and over again and then franz there's no resistance around the screen And drives right at eubanks and finishes (laughs) it was like whatever you guys were yelling you definitely didn't do so then they run just a straight switch to bring eubanks out and so now there's no there's no call it's just we've made the straight switch and is franz going to drive here and how are we going to help well there was no help franz went right past eubanks actually to eubanks credit got back into the play enough to contest the shot but franz made an insane reverse then Portland got a little caught up in kind of that scramble defensively where you know who your guy is but you're too close to somebody else that matters and that's what happened with Grant is that he was near Paolo and then he was kind of like well look I'm on Paolo now so then Franz is on the other side they run a quick little switch Lillard gets stuck with Franz and Franz just decides I gotta cont- I, there's no way he's gonna t- test my three hits a three right over him that was that was kind of, that was three straight possessions where Franz, had to read something different that they, did, they didn't do a good job with, then got the switch he wanted, just took it all on his own, and then saw another situation where he was like, I'm just going to take the three. This, the drives from Franz are relentless. His IQ is terrific. And yes, I'm, I'm with our guy Saruti here. I don't think he gets enough love. Um, late, though, Dame got Wendell Carter in a blow-by, which Wendell hadn't moved until Dame was about 10 feet away from him. And I think there were just little moments there with Dame going, you know, he still can pretty much get whatever he wants on offense, even if we had some concern about some of the shooting numbers there. Uh, that made it 107-103 on the drive. And then Lillard got fouled on another call where I was like, eh. You know, I really don't like some of this stuff, but Lillard gets the three free throws. So now we're talking about a one-point game, but it's under the shot clock. Fultz gets fouled. So it's 109-106. Your boy's on the couch. He's got the notepad ready. He can't wait to see what happens. And then we come back from, I think it was a Carl's Jr. ad, and the game was over. It was just over. Like I never saw the possession until I watched it in the highlights this morning. So I had, I had no idea what happened. And it's pretty crazy that I just got done talking about this. Um, yeah, it was Carl's Jr., that new A1 steak sauce burger. So picture me, home, we go to ads, we come back, burger time, and then I, all I see is 109-106 final, and everybody's walking off the court. That's what I got on my feed last night. I just did a rant on this. You can't have the Bowers play. In the Peach Bowl, one of the biggest calls of the entire game. Was he out of bounds? Was it a first down? Is it a turnover on downs? Nope. Let's check in with Match.com and seven other ads. And then you come back and we don't know what's going on. You can't do that then. You can't do that last night. Um, I didn't really spend a ton of time on the Clippers because... I don't know. uh, I get bored watching Dallas. I'm sorry. And they were down big. I know Don just got it going there in the fourth quarter. Kawhi had a season high 33 points. The Clippers won a 21 and 15. They lost six straight, so it was good for them to get a win in that stretch in the seven games. Kawhi played five. They went one and four in them. Um, but if it would have been closer, you know, I was just watching it this morning as I was getting prepped and doing everything. So there you go. We got more NBA with KOC life advice at the end. Tales from the couch. Tip off the NBA season with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. New customers get $150 in free bets, guaranteed. When you place your first $5 bet, just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Then you can bet on everything from the money line to point scores to threes drained. Okay, favorite bets for the week. Let's just go rapid fire. Just lock it in. Look, look hard. Okay, uh, what jumps out? Detroit missing dudes at home, plus seven back-to-back down 40 to Philly last night. Um, the highest total on the board is 238.5, San Antonio at Memphis. So let's go under Spurs at Grizzlies, 238.5. Uh, both did not play last night. Phoenix-Denver, another overplay, potentially a total play here, 226.5. But remember when I talked about second half, if you can find the second half line for Phoenix there, they're getting 13 back-to-back winning without all their guys. This is the other really tough part about the NBA part of it. Um, by the time this airs, <laughs> you know I don't even know what the lineups are going to be. So make sure you're up to date on the lineups for this NBA stuff as we start to get into the more silly part of the season. So yeah, we'll give out two totals here. We'll go under Spurs, Grizzlies, 238.5. We'll go over. Although, you know what? Let's just keep them both unders. I'm sorry. I'm just going to expect Phoenix to fall off in the second half there after the back-to-back and then being in Denver. And that's why that number is so low to begin with. So let's, let's play that number, um, but not the 13, not plus 13. So two totals for you. Plus, FanDuel even lets you combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with the same-game parlay. FanDuel is also now live in Ohio, so make sure you get in on the action with great offers just for you now and throughout January. So don't miss your chance to get $150 in free bets with the promo code RYAN, R-Y-E-N. Make every moment more with FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NBA. Must be 21 and older in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued is non-withdrawable free bets that expire 14 days after receipt. Restrictions apply. See terms All right, we'll keep the hoops going here, Kevin O'Connor of the Ringer. What's up, man? Good to see you.
1: Good to see you too, Ryan. How are you doing today?
0: Good. So, you know, when I was looking at the West, I felt like, are we going to have some defining tiers here where Denver, Memphis, and New Orleans are that first tier, all two and a half games. And then there's that next group, Dallas. But then, like, when does that group end? And then when I look over at the East, it feels like the top teams are actually better You know Philadelphia just keeps rolling along here too with a good point differential. I like Cleveland. Like the top five for the East feels pretty significant. But even if we looked at Boston's rough offensive stretch in December, trying to figure out the Rob Williams part of it, it feels like from a health standpoint they're the best bet. I may not think they're like I'm not looking at Boston saying, hey, they're clearly the best team. And maybe I don't even feel as good about him today as I did the first, I don't know, 25 games of the season. But from a health standpoint, knowing that their two guys play all the time, they seem like a better bet than the other contenders.
1: Yeah, I think that's fair. I mean, I think they're they're top-end guys with Tatum and Brown. You know, Tatum, one of the 10 best players in all of the NBA. Jalen Brown, one of the top 20, 25 best. and. After that, too, I mean, like there's certain teams where you lose one role player. It's dismantling to the system with Boston. They have eight of the top 100, you know, in our ringer rankings. We had eight Celtics when we revealed the rankings last month. Right now, I think, you know, uh, White and Grant Williams fell off. But with Smart, Derek White, Al Horford, Malcolm Brogdon, Grant Williams, and obviously Robert Williams starting last uh, the other night for Boston. Once again, I mean, they have so much depth of talent as well, where even if one of those guys go down, they have other guys who can step up. So I think they're a safe bet in that sense, Ryan. Um, I, I, do, I do think, though, compared to Milwaukee, though, like if Milwaukee were to get Chris Middleton back and totally healthy, I'd still give a slight edge to the Bucks over the Celtics if I'm picking a finals team because of the greatness of Giannis with how he works with, you know, Drew Holiday and Chris Middleton. We saw Joe Ingles the other night have an outstanding performance for them off the bench, showing the importance of their shot creation there around Giannis. But ultimately, Boston is the safer bet, uh, considering health and all the issues some of those other teams are having.
0: So, Durant's out a month. (laughs) We all kind of expect it to happen at some point. Is there now enough depth, though, for them to kind of ride this out way better than they did last year.
1: I think so. I mean, like, you know, Chris Christopher and I were talking about this this week with like, with, with Brooklyn, like all of our conversations this year, you know, it's about KD and the greatness of his, of his play. But it's also about, you know, all the pieces around him this year. Whereas last year, it wasn't as much about, you know, Nick Claxton being an all defensive candidate. Uh, You know, they recently get Harris and Curry back. Like those guys can have an uptick, and I think the real important player for them without KD now is going to be TJ Warren. TJ Warren has been coming off their bench, occasionally staggering minutes between him and Kevin Durant. You know, he's a guy who can be a bucket getter for you, who can score close to twenty points per game. So I think with Brooklyn, they have enough. They have it's like we just said with Boston. The Celtics have so much depth on their team that others can step up. With the Nets, like obviously, you're not going to be as good with Kevin Durant, a top five MVP candidate so far this season, an all-D candidate in his own right, obviously, but they do have other guys who can, I think, collectively absorb some of that responsibility and help keep the team afloat in the top six in the Eastern Conference. I don't think they're going to, they're gonna, I, don't, I don't expect them to fall apart. In fact, I'd be shocked if they were to fall apart.
0: What would it take for you to go, okay, I actually like Philadelphia better than everybody in the East. Is that possible?
1: Hmm. I think I think for me to like them more than anybody in the Eastern Conference, it, it's it's going to have to be James Harden and Tyrese Maxey even getting better together in that backcourt. I think with Maxey, like as good as he is, he's still that upside piece for them where if he can tap into an even higher level. As that third cog in that, on that team, because we've seen Harden have moments where he still can tap into the old Harden, and be obviously still an MVP candidate, but can Maxi step up even further with the current roster? And if it's not that, perhaps it's a trade that Daryl Morey might have up his sleeve to add one more wing in that rotation to help elevate them. But I'm high on Philly as is, you know, right? I think they're right up there with Boston, Milwaukee, with that group, you know, with Embiid and Harden playing at the level that they are. I just think
0: it's on that backcourt to further elevate their play up to the level of Embiid. Yeah, I feel I feel guilty sometimes of them. They're kind of like Dallas for me, you know, where I, I feel guilty that I don't enjoy the peaks of it enough, and it's for different reasons, you know. Pardon? It's the, well, it's the playoff resume stuff with with the Phillies' two main guys, you know, and then for Dallas, uh, I'm I'm just not a huge fan of. As great as he is, like, I don't think it's any, I don't think anyone has an easier time getting a bucket than Luca. Like, if you need a bucket in today's game, do you pick anyone over Luca?
1: Probably not right now. No.
0: Right? His ability to create shots from anywhere on the floor. Yeah. So here I'm giving him the ultimate compliment. But then when I think about, you know, watching them and when they have good runs and they turn their defense around yesterday and they make it to the Western Conference Finals. Like, I've already been over this before. It's just that you and I have talked about it. Like, it's almost more guilt when I watch them where I just go, eh, okay. Like, I got it. And with Philly, like, Harden goes on this incredible tear. You know, they, they win games with some of those other dudes out. They're keeping pace somewhat at the top of the East. And it has more to do with, you know, the other teams being really good here. But with Philly, it's just... It would have to be like pristine for the regular season end, and for me to not go like, okay, well, we'll see what happens. Not to say it's impossible, but no, anyway, just—I'll watch him, I'll be like, hey, this is really good. It's fun, but you know, I—I don't know. Maybe, maybe I should stop watching the regular season with so much emphasis <laughs> on what I think it means. In the playoffs.
1: Well, I mean, how much does depth matter here with what we're talking about? Because you know, it seems like some of your concerns with Philly and Dallas are related to everybody else around and Embiid and Harden and Maxi for Philly, and then everybody around Luca on the Dallas side of things. Like Grant Williams, you know, he's, what, the seventh best player on the Celtics? He'd be the third best player on the Mavs behind Christian Wood and Luka. Like, it's
0: not even close. I Well, look, I like Philly's depth a lot more than I like Dallas's depth. I don't think that's the same. One. For sure. Right. Um, okay. In the West, if everybody were healthy, who would you actually like the most?
1: the Warriors, they can still spread out Jokic with five out in the postseason when they need to with that Denver roster. Uh, if if the Warriors are totally healthy, I'm still going with them uh, over everybody else. But, Ryan, I think with, with Denver, people talk about some of the concerns on the defense. I, everything I just said there, spread them out, you know, five out, pull out Jokic away from the paint, you know, space them out. The one, the one hesitation I have there with Denver is the fact that they have a lot of big defenders. Like, Michael Porter Jr. is not a great stopper, but he's six foot ten. Aaron Gordon, Bruce Brown, they have a lot of size that they haven't had in past years. KCP, they can surround Jokic with a lot of big wing defenders who can provide help and still offer some interior rim protection. That's where I think the difference is with Denver this year compared to some past years. With that said, though the Warriors still can tap into an elite level. Like Their five-man lineup, their starting lineup, is still one of the best in all of basketball. They just have to figure out some of those configurations at the wing spot. Maybe they need a move to help plug that hole, but I think when the Warriors go down to their eight-man playoff rotation, they're still the best in the West.
0: I think I like New Orleans the oh. best. Ooh. Yeah.
1: Now you're talking my language, though, Ryan. I said, I said before the season... They can make the play they can make the finals, not that they will that they NBA can. nBA finals, the nBA finals, the pelicans, and I said they can not that they will, and the reason why I wouldn't say they will is because of the a in experience, but also the health, like everything you just said about Boston being the best bet, doesn't that make New Orleans one of the worst bets, considering you know Zion and Ingram can't stay on the
0: floor? yeah, they're probably the worst bet, but you know Denver fairly clean bill of health other than the Michael Porter Jr. part where he'll be hurt again. Um, but mm-hmm. Murray definitely looks way better now, Yeah, um, which is to be expected. Memphis has their own issues with maybe their top two guys. Uh, but I think with Josh, it's always I'm afraid it's going to happen, not just because he missed time last year. The way he but plays, that, scary. Right. And then the Pelicans, they're the worst bet out of all of it. I mean, Dallas is missing... Finney Smith and Cleve is going to miss some time, continue to miss time. Um, you know, they keep putting Josh Green in the update because he was one of the rotation guys. <laughs> uh, but I don't know if that means a ton. Sacramento is a better health bet. Even with Sabonis in this hand situation, there hasn't been much drop-off. Clippers are the worst health bet. They're probably worse than the Pelicans. Phoenix is a mess. Golden State's had their issues. Minnesota's missing, what, their second-best player. And then, you know, on and on and on. I mean, Portland's actually kind of relatively healthy for them right now. So I know this isn't exactly new, but I mean, it kind of gets back to the first part of the whole Boston thing where you're going through this. Like, I like what New Orleans is, but it's a worse bet than Denver to expect to know what you're going to get once April starts up. Like, there's no way I can be like, hey, it's New Orleans, it's everybody else, or hey, they're the favorites, because they're still more unknown despite some of my concerns about... Like, I just... Sometimes I'll look at the Denver conversation and will look at the wins and look at the one seed and you're like, all right, but is this, is this really who they are? They're not a team that anybody's afraid of, right?
1: They should be. I mean, Jokic could be a three-time MVP and he has a better supporting cast than he's had in past years. They, they should be feared. But uh, I, I think to your point with New Orleans, they're a team that should be feared if come April, Ingram and Zion are out there healthy. Because they have the top end star talent, like they they're almost kind of the West version, like a younger, inexperienced version of Boston. They have the top end talent, but they also have the depth too. I mean, like Dyson Daniels as a rookie is already one of the better, you know, guard wing defenders in the league. Trey Murphy, that dude is a nasty shooter. He has a really good connection with Zion in the half court as well with some of their two man game stuff. They have lineup versatility. They can play big with Jonas Valanciunas. They can play small with Larry Nance, Zion front courts. You know, like they have all these different ways that they can play and match up against different teams. So I think that's what you need. You know, when we talk about playoff basketball, we talk all the time about switchability and versatility from an individual player standpoint. But that's also true from a coaching standpoint when it comes to the types of lineups that you can put out there on the floor. That's the benefit Boston has had. You can put out Al Horford and Rob Williams, or you can just throw out Horford or you can play small. That's what Golden State has has tried to have, you know, with one big out there with Looney and Draymond or just Draymond when they really want to go small. And New Orleans has that too, you know, as long as Zion is healthy. So, I mean, even the Clippers, that that's why people hang on to the Clippers. Like last night, you know, they win their game against Dallas going small. Zubats played 16 minutes. You know, they they went with all wing lineups and they defended Christian Wood with, you know, Marcus Morris, Covington, man, throughout the entire
0: game, and it worked. I'm having a hard time with the Clippers thing. Like, I just, how many years are you going to go, oh, well, if they're healthy, if they were to do this, I mean, I can't trust them. Yeah. Like, there's, there's still more trust with chronically injured teams that I would have way more so than the Clippers. Like, I can't write them off in January. Like I I kinda I just get I get sick of people telling me how it's like, man, if they're healthy and they're right, like look out. Like, I don't know. Even with those two guys, it's not some guarantee. Where are you at with
1: Kawhi? I mean, like, he's putting up numbers lately, but I still don't feel like he has the same burst and like that explosiveness we saw in that Utah series a couple of years ago. Like he doesn't like he's putting up numbers, but it just doesn't feel the same to me. Even last night.
0: I thought he was gonna put up numbers if he was slower. You yeah. know what I mean? Like It didn't. I wasn't shocked to see him put up numbers and look slower. But I agree with you. He's looked slower. I think he gets taken defensively way more than people ever attributed to him. Like to me, the defensive part of him is way more reputation Mm. than what I really see at times. But because of his, because of his handle and his size and the way he's able to create space and the way he's able to shoot once he creates it, like I expected him to even a slower version of him to be able to put up really big numbers, but. Even in this recent stretch, they get the win last night, but they played pretty poorly for two weeks, and that's with him back for what, five of the seven games or four of the seven games? So and then even like what? They get blasted by Denver? Blasted by him. You know, and those two guys were playing, and then you're like, Oh, wait, since they only played so many minutes, are they gonna play him tomorrow night? And you're like, Nope. And they don't <laughs> they don't play the next night. So, uh I, I guess I'm just I'm not trying to be a dick about it with the Clippers. I'm just sick of hearing about it.
1: It's just hard to trust that team. And I, I think those games you're talking about last week, they get destroyed on Thursday night play. I think Paul George and Kawhi played a combined 33 minutes and not playing the next night. It, it's games like that where you want to bounce back. And I mean, sure, you beat Dallas last night going small. You know, Ty Lue pulls out the all-wing lineup even without Paul George. And like that's probably the formula for them. In, in a lot of postseason series but you know friday i believe they faced denver like those are the real tests uh, more so than dallas and their lack of depth
0: yeah it was interesting too during that denver broadcast where reggie miller was saying that ty Lu was basically expressing frustration that it's coaching with cue cards where i thought wait that's kind of revealing um And I'd imagine everybody's frustrated. Like, I don't think anybody with the Clippers would listen to this and say any of this stuff is unfair. But they get this benefit of the doubt deal where, uh, all right, I kind of get it, but, you know. Why do
1: they get that benefit of the doubt, you think?
0: And I think it leads back to kind of the beginning of the year, too. Like, I'll never forget, there was the offseason where Ainge got Gordon Hayward and Kyrie. Oklahoma City got Paul George, but then at the very end, they got mellow. But at that point, the mellow thing was going to kind of mess him up more than it was going to help him, and then they moved on from that real quick. Remember that? And they did the GM poll, and they went through it, and they were like, who had the best offseason? Which GM had the best off season?" And Oklahoma City actually won it. And I thought, wait, Boston gets Kyrie and Gordon Hayward? And because the mellow thing happened more recently, in combination with the Paul George thing, it was like a landslide that Presti wanted, and I went, eh, this is weird, and I feel like the same thing happened to a lesser extent with the Clippers, with the John Wall deal. Like, it's, oh, shit, they had a John Wall? Like, that guy was the number <laughs> one pick, <laughs> like, you know, I expect something from him, okay? I think a lot of teams would like to have him in the rotation, but it doesn't change the course of who you are. And then it was, oh, they're the deepest team. It's like, they're definitely not the deepest team. Even when they're healthy, they are not as deep as New Orleans. It's, it's, not, it's not even a debate.
1: They're, they're probably deeper with okay talent, but not with like playoff rotation talent, which is the difference between New Orleans and the Clippers right now. And like, Boston. Like, yeah, probably Boston, Boston too. too. No doubt about it. I mean, that, that's, that's kind of the thing with the Clippers. They have options on the bench. I mean, like, you know, Luke Kennard, John Wall. You know, these guys are solid players. Um, but I don't think they're at the level of some of the other talent we're talking about on these other teams.
0: No, I, you know, I don't. I, I guess it, maybe it's just my own personal frustration with them as a storyline. All right, little NBA high-low here. We're going to throw out a player and figure out who we like more or less um, after the person, okay? All right, so the player's LaMelo. The next player's Garland. Who would you rather have?
1: Can I just ask real quick, is this for today? Is going to win a game today or for you know the next five, ten years?
0: I think it's long-term. You know, I, I okay. really think, to be fair here, I think this is about long-term.
1: All right, LaMelo then. Just a f- more dynamic player than Garland. I love Garland. He's the, the better player today. Um, but LaMelo Ball long-term would be my bet. That dude has become one of the best shooters in all of basketball after pre-draft concerns about his shot translating. He's up to like 10, 11 Three point attempts per game, ton of them, high degree of difficulty, and he's making a lot of them.
0: Yeah, he's eleven a game, and and I'll admit, like I did at the top of the top of the podcast, like sometimes I'm like, how are you taking this shot? And then you look at the number and you go, it goes in, it goes in enough. Where even if there's some bad decisions along the way, like when you're thirty nine, forty percent, it's it's hard to tell you to stop taking some of these. Even mm-hmm. though I wonder what his his number would be. If it was always within the flow, because there's a lot of like 20, 19 second left in the shot clock. Heat checks in there, which I'm like did that. But the number, the number's too good from three to really get on it. I would take Garland. But I don't think anybody else would. OK, the next one in comparison to Lamello is pool. Oh, LaMelo, not even a yeah. question. No, not, and the pool's like I think 31% from three this year, too. Uh, I was going to say I was going to push the limits there. OK, here we go. Carl Anthony Towns is the player. Here are the options: Julius Randle.
1: <laughs> I mean, this is tough for me because I used to be a cat guy. I've never been a Randle guy, but Randle the, the last month or so has been better than all NBA Randle. Like the year he won All NBA, this version of Julius Randle is even better. Pairing him with Jalen Brunson, their pick and roll chemistry. But but I I, I still have to go. Slight edge cat just based off the history aspect. I don't wanna I don't wanna go cat, but I'll go with Carl Anthony Towns reluctantly.
0: Yeah. I think
1: Towns <laughs> is still the right answer here, but that was the whole
0: point of this, is to make you go, what am I really gonna pick Julius Randle over Carl Anthony Towns? Uh, maybe you Towns Towns is not a numbers thing for me at all. It isn't. I I, I really worry about kind of long term. How he fits in with a team, uh, especially when he has the keys to the team. You know, I don't, I don't know. Personality-wise? Yeah. A little yeah, mopey, not, huh? No, I don't, I don't, just think there's, just, it just always feels like there's a lot going on with Towns over the course of a game. and I, I don't Drama. know, I thought maybe, I thought maybe he was a little happier last year for the first time in a while. So I was like, okay, maybe we can build on this. And I know he's gone through a ton of stuff too, Um, but it was kind of happening before. But yeah, I I don't know. I I think there's just a certain kind of mental DNA you have to have for some of this stuff. Okay, all right. So we both say Towns here still. Towns or Jared Allen?
1: I guess in some ways it depends on the type of team that you're building here. Jared Allen, the easier guy to plug in. Elite defender. You know, willing screener always runs the floor, even if he's not getting touches. Great finisher around the basket, good connector as a passer, can post up a little bit, you know, when he needs to against a smaller defender to seal someone off inside. Give me, give me Jared Allen over Cat to build around for the next five, 10 years.
0: Yeah, I, I would agree there. I would agree. Offensively, there's no comparison to the talent that Towns has. Um, but I, kind of speaking on some of the town stuff we've already covered here a little bit better. I just wonder if he's ever traded for Minnesota. I have no idea how bad this Minnesota thing is going to get. I wonder how they'll try to reset this on the fly, you know, get D'Angelo Russell the hell out of there. But if if they ever moved off of Towns, it'd be really interesting what the new fan base would be thinking they were getting. Like, they'd be going, oh my gosh, like, look at this guy. He's a center, he can shoot. He's one of the greatest shooting center. I think, didn't he call himself? one of the greatest yeah, shooting the, centers he, of all time. I think he
1: said he is the greatest sh- uh, shooting center
0: of all time. There's some numbers that would tell you he's mm-hmm. he's not wrong there. Um but
1: statistically, I don't know. but but you know, if we're factoring in longevity, you know, Dirk Nowitzki is still not not matched.
0: Right. We, we
1: we we say Jared Allen over towns, does that mean Rudy Gobert over towns?
2: No.
0: Why no. not? Um I think it's kind of bad when he's on his second team and they don't want to pass to him. <laughs> <laughs> that should tell us something. And he, a little bit. And he,
1: and he has one thing that, that, or he lacks one thing that Jared Allen has, and that's the ability to dribble the
0: ball. Look, he doesn't have to be guarded and the defensive numbers. I know there's been a little uptick here recently, but the defensive numbers, which were already declining at, towards the end of the Utah thing, which was a little scary, and then you compare it to the impact that he's made over the course of this season, it's just It's not what you signed up. Even the worst version of Gobert, you didn't think you were going to get this. So I think that's a problem. Okay. Um, We could probably do a little aside here. Hollinger brought it up. I had touched on it a few times with Mobley. And it's not... Like, this this can be a compliment, right? When I think of Evan Mobley and how perfect a prospect he felt like he was coming out, and the only conversation between him and Cade was really like, okay, but in today's league, if you have a... Guy who initiates all the offense with the ball in his hands versus somebody else who's dependent on them getting them the ball. Like you take the guy that controls the basketball in today's game, right? Which is a massive departure from what we grew up with. Because these guys just don't get the ball. They don't like to pass it to him. Forget Rudy Gobert. Plenty of bigs out there going, Are you serious? Like, I'm never going to get the pass unless it's a lob off the fucking help on a pick and roll. So Mobley, who when I went through and did all the USC stuff on him, I'm like, he doesn't make any mistakes. His passes are incredible. He's got some touch, He's 30%, but the free throw number's good. So I'd imagine he's going to be able to develop some of the shooting. So the expectation is that for him to be what a lot of us think he can be. Uh, I think you had a clip of him this morning, defensively, what he did against Utah, which is just insane. Um, and even though I think one of the two design touches he got in that game in the fourth quarter, he made a perfect read and kicked it to the corner they missed a three. So like his... He makes the right decisions, but if he's a one and a transcendent franchise player, which is a pretty lofty hope, but the fact that we'd even ask that about him, that he's even eligible for that kind of conversation is a compliment to him in the beginning. But then when I watch with a more critical eye, I go, what is it that he does offensively where I'm like, that's the thing that that's really like, sure. The lobs are cool. There's a, a hook shot every now and then that shows up that looks really, really smooth. But it doesn't feel like there's any one thing to him consistently offensively and the shooting numbers have been terrible um, where I go, okay, and that's a problem for somebody that we project at the best case scenario could be beyond even a top 20 player in the NBA. I
1: don't I don't see that in him. Um, I always felt like it, like with Mobley, the bet on him was you're getting this guy who's an elite defensive presence, who's versatile, and he's a connector on offense with the playmaking that you're talking about. Like he's not a primary initiator, but he's a connector. You know, he can grab a defensive board, you know, dribble up the floor, make the great word pass, for it, right? right. You yeah, because
0: because he's willing too. On top of everything yes. else, and he sees some stuff as a big guy that's really impressive as a passer. So go ahead Sorry. for
1: sure. And like, I, I think that's that's the value in him, him growing it to that for like what needs to happen for him to become a you know a, like you said beyond a top 20 player a a primary on your team the go to option like his his shot from 3 has not yet to develop you know the shot off the dribble has not yet to develop and that's really the separating skill for any player that's a, a big man is the ability to do wing like or guard like things on the floor as a dribble jumper shooter or attacking the basket and he hasn't shown that ability yet at a high level so unless that develops uh, at some point throughout his career, he's still young, obviously, in his second year. That that is not going to be part of his game. It's going to be him enhancing the star on the team like he is right now with Mitchell and Garland, you know, providing, you know, what he does on offense as a connector and being a supportive piece, a lockdown interior guy who can also switch on the perimeter. Like I think I th- I'm not worried about him in, in that sense, but maybe for Cavs fans who had the expectation that it'd become Kevin Garnett. Yeah, like I think you're probably disappointed, but um I maybe that was a bit unfair to expect from him in the first place.
0: Yeah, the KG, the Tim Duncan stuff, I think we can put that to bed. I think that's fair. Yeah. Which is okay if you're not one of those two guys because they are two of the I mean
1: <laughs> top ten, twenty
0: right. greatest Duncan's players ever. Yeah. Top ten. If KG wanted to shoot more, he would have been top ten. Oh yeah. He actually just didn't really have a mm-hmm. ton of interest. Um despite it felt like every time he got a good look, it was the right thing for him to do, and he would he would still pass out of it a ton. Um, that kind of led to the rest of the stuff, because Hollinger was really good on this. Like, Scotty Barnes, wow, what could this guy become? And I think this year, the disappointment is only based on this unlimited ceiling for him. This hybrid one through five, do everything. The shooting's still a problem. It's been a problem for his entire career. And I know Toronto has some really bad I think you you go now. I go habit to them, where there's a lot of guys that want to eat there that are all pretty good offensive players, um, even though some of the off- offensive numbers, you know, like they'll go through these stretches, man, where I just feel like I hate them on offense. The numbers will actually still be a little bit better than I would expect them to be. Um, but there's the Barnes thing, the Jalen Green thing. I mean, again, I covered this all last week, so I just want to hear hear your thoughts.
1: Yeah, I think with Barnes, I mean, he's been a little bit better recently on offense you know defense is giving him kind of the Ben Simmons treatment sagging off him like in that game you mentioned you watched Charlotte last night there was this one play Plumlee you know started out defending Barnes on the perimeter and then deliberately sagged off of Barnes but Barnes drove right into him anyway and spun into a layup and granted you know Plumlee's not the toughest matchup I think Barnes has done a, a bit of a better job you know Drawing those defenders, kicking out and then sending a screen or taking a short pull up jump jumper. He's dribbling into that space that defenses are providing for me. Like I think defensively is where I'm disappointed with him. Like this year, the effort has been poor. It's been inconsistent. He's had some, uh, he still has good moments as a help defender, you know, with his size and length as a help defender inside, but man to man on the perimeter. I was looking at the second spectrum numbers recently. I believe he's third in the NBA. They track blow-bys, which is when the offensive player drives right by the opposing defender. And he's third in the NBA in allowing blow behind Luka and his teammate Fred Van Bleet. Like, he just isn't able to keep in front of some of the quicker players in the league, which is what he needs to do to reach his defensive potential as a player. So I'm, I'm a disappointed in the progress by him. I'm not out on him by any means. Um, But perhaps it's also time to recalibrate on what his upside is as a player when you're talking about building a franchise around him. Maybe Toronto actually made a mistake not more strongly considering the Kevin Durant option during the offseason.
0: Yeah, it seems and even at the time when you're like you won't trade Scotty Barnes in a deal for Kevin Durant. But then, when you go, Durant's thirty-four. Is he going to like Toronto? He's probably going to get hurt again. He just got hurt again. Mm-hmm. Uh, you get the Durant. It. The Durant trade wasn't just about, you know, the talent part of it. Even if I'm with you, where sometimes we hear about these trade rumors and then what a team won't give up, and you just have to laugh. You're like, do you not realize the other guy that you're getting here? Like, or this idea, you know? Because I think we're so conditioned to think that now, when you trade for somebody, um you don't give up your good player, right? You're like, here's the here's the cap filler, and here are the five picks and the two swaps, and then we get your guy. But the Durant thing was never going to be easy for Toronto. I know everybody kind of looks at Toronto as like the team that everybody, you know, Masai, he's just really good at this, man. I know he's been rumored to supposedly leave and take over these other teams and have bigger roles somewhere else. I mean, the Masai rumors have gone on forever. He's just terrific. I mean, precious... Got it going a little bit again last night. He's healthy again. Um, Even Coloco, who I kind of liked out of Arizona. I'm like, there's more to this guy. And he's had flashes. And I know it's like a weirdly put together team. They've got a Van Vliet decision on all this stuff. I don't know how aggressive they could be. I mean, there's pieces that other teams like, but I don't know what the play would be there. Like, would they have enough for the next Mad Star? Would they do it? I mean, they did it in the past for Kawhi, but they ultimately didn't really give up. Like, that Kawhi trade was the last trade before all the trades that led to all the picks. Like, if the Kawhi trade happens a year and a half later, San Antonio's still eating off of Toronto picks. But that just wasn't the price back then.
1: Yeah, I mean, it was just really a perfect storm for them to get Kawhi for the price that they did. I mean, and they got Danny Green in the deal, too. It wasn't just Kawhi. They got a really good role player for just DeMar DeRozan and Jacob Pirtle. That's it. But that's all they gave up, and I think most you're talking like most teams, like that was the last non-pick trade. So the Spurs could have went for options with more picks-based package at the time. They just wanted to keep winning and competing for the playoffs, so they got DeRozan. But if it were a different organization, maybe Toronto never even has a chance to land Kawhi Leonard, or maybe they're they're forced to have to give up picks if
0: that situation for, were far different at the time. Okay, anything on Jalen Green? Because I'm with you. I'm not It just feels like recalibrated ceilings. That's all this segment is.
1: I still really like Jalen Green. I think that, I mean, it goes without saying that situation in Houston is is an absolute mess. Like You said Toronto has habits of your turn, my turn. Houston is always your turn, my turn.
0: It's disgusting. Or it's not your turn. That's my other one. (laughs) Yes. Definitely not your turn. turn.
1: (laughs) (laughs) It's definitely not your turn. Yeah, and that's often the case there. But with Jalen Green, some of the highs, Brian, like the thirty-four thirty-four point game he had against Orlando.
0: The Boston 20, game. The Boston like I had a couple game. friends oh, go, wait, goodness. you're you're not, you don't think this guy's gonna be running the league? I'm like, well, running the league is pretty lofty, but if you only, like a lot of Boston fans, only watch the Boston teams, you're going, This guy like the shit he was doing in that game was Gorman was losing no kidding. his mind. He
1: yeah. he he is an amazing athlete. He moves so fluidly. I just worry about some of the bad habits that he's building, and that that's like the opposite of his g league situation where in the g league we saw him get better as a playmaker over the course of the year, started making quicker, smarter decisions out of the pick and roll and and now he's in the uh it's not your turn situation <laughs> with the Rockets where like I think it's on that front office to 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 fix the culture of the team over this coming year, you know this before the deadline during this off season, and who they end up getting in the draft is going to be a, a real critical part in, in shaping that culture. But I still like Jalen green as an individual player. And I like some of the other players on the team, like Shen Yun's really good. Uh, I think like Jabari Smith is going to work out long-term. I think they have the pieces um, to build something that, that works together. It's just, they need to remove some parts and, and add some other good culture pieces
0: into it. Okay. Let's finish here then. Wemanyama, where would you most want to see him land? Oh, New
1: Orleans for the comedy. <laughs> 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 that's why. I mean, that's the main reason. Uh, and also for basketball reasons, it would be so sick to watch that. Uh, I guess out of the, the tanking team. So Houston, Detroit, Charlotte, San Antonio. And we'll, we'll throw Orlando into that too. Um. What Orlando still has, well, it, I believe, yeah, what they're, they're the fifth best tanking. odds. Yeah, fifth best odds. Fifth best odds. That they, they should. They don't belong in in tanking. They're not one of the four worst teams. We'll throw them in for the sake of conversation. Uh, I'd like to see him land with with Houston. To be honest with you, I, I really? just think I, I I love the fit with Goon in that front court. Uh, with Jabari Smith, with the lineup versatility that they would have if you pull out Goon a Jabari Smith. Victor Wembenyama front court. I think it really helped that team. I wanted to mention Orlando just because I think like what they're building right now with Wagner and Caro and Bol Bol and all of their length and versatility with perimeter skill. Adding Wembenyama to that, they could put out lineups with the smallest guys, Franz Wagner, and still have playmaking skill out there. I mean, it'd just be exciting to watch how they could build that out over the course of time.
0: What I like about Orlando's core guys here um and i'm I'm basically focusing on Franz and Paolo, and I you know I, I think Suggs are showing some improvement here that mm, gives you hope yeah. for when he comes back um, and Wendell plays into it too as well, is that I think they're all willing teammates, which you don't see they're they're kind of opposite Houston that way, where I mean Shingun doesn't have a choice I think he's a really willing passer, but I mean he's a post kid in today's <laughs> today's nba you're just like good luck dude like i know you have all these moves we just you don't your your kind doesn't get the ball anymore sorry (laughs) so i i think from a basketball standpoint it would like ease it really well for him i think people are going to say san antonio because it's such a solid history to me it doesn't make a ton of sense because i think the team's going to be pretty bad for a while even though i really like Keldon and, and Vassell's played a lot better, but he's going to be out for the rest of the year, so they're going for it. Uh, I mean, the Thunder point differential alone, like it's so incredible how competitive that team is, mm. um, even though they're kind of on the fly with some of the lineup stuff there. So I guess Orlando kind of feels like the fa- the favorite. the The Lakers part of that, if it ends up with New Orleans, is just haunting.
1: <laughs>
0: you have a big smile on your face. Maybe I might not be as evil as you and Bill are about it, so I I don't think I'll pick them.
1: It would it would just be. A a comical end to that saga. If Victor wembe were to land in New Orleans.
0: Okay, but when you continue to evaluate him for the draft stuff that you do at the Ringer, is there any minor concern about how much will he be allowed to initiate offensively? Like, I know what he's capable of, and he shows all these incredible things, but the thing, whenever I hear somebody say, like, he's a better prospect than LeBron, he may be more interesting but he isn't because LeBron from day one, day one, could run a basketball team and get his while also getting it going for his teammates. That Cleveland team, I think, went from 17 wins to 35 to 42, didn't make the playoffs. And that Then it was like, oh, can this guy even, you know, it's like he's going to be <laughs> in the NBA finals every year for a decade, folks. Don't worry about it. But as Strange as the entire game is, and what he's capable of doing that LeBron wasn't capable of doing, he's not the same prospect because there's no health concern with LeBron, and there's I would imagine some limitation on what Victor's going to be allowed to do from day one with the ball in his hands. Like do you do you see him at year five having the ball in his hands, making all the decisions, which is what is reserved for the best players in the game? Maybe. Maybe
1: uh, I think that's why LeBron is a better prospect. Right? Like from LeBron, it was a guarantee that he would have that ability in his game. With ben Yama, it's a maybe. Like you think with his, with some of his shot selection, that's him being empowered to take some of those tough shots. You'd probably see the numbers improve if he were forced to be more, you know, pick and choosy with the decisions that he's making on the floor. Which I think he would be. You know, if he's drafted to a team and they say, "Hey, you're not taking these, you know, five, six dribbles and then a you know, contested pull-up. You you're not going to do that. We need you at the at the elbows running dribble handoffs and handing the ball off to this knockdown shooter on our team. You know, you got to give the ball to Jalen Green, you got to give the ball to whoever it might be, right? I think he's capable of doing that and has a willingness to do that. The primary initiation like him bringing the ball up the floor, initiating your offense, like you know, not with the passing, you know, brilliance of a Jokic, but more like a Sabonis type. Maybe he can grow into that long term where you see that. Cause he does make some of those real nifty, you know, passes. He has vision. He has a will to make the extra pass, play good to great. So I I think long term that's there. Where I I guess my when you talk about his upside, where my concern is is people often compare him to Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant is one of the greatest shooters in the history of basketball like that guy's shooting 60% from mid-range this year and to compare Wemben yama to KD is is really unfair considering the fact that he is only just now becoming a below average shooter uh, he's shooting 30% from 3 this year he's shooting only like 34% on spot-ups i believe like 25% off the dribble it's a lot of tough shots but he's only for the first time become 70 plus percent from the free throw line. It's it's with him. I I wonder what is the actual ceiling with his jump shot? Is he going to keep trending up as he has for two, three, four years straight now, which is it's encouraging to see the progress. He works his ass off, Um, but does he become a 37 percent three point shooter off the catch? Does he become a 34 percent three point shooter off the catch? And and how good does he become off the dribble? Those are the questions that I have with how good is his shot? and how much is that going to be something that draws the defense out and makes him even more of a threat to attack the basket which he doesn't do enough of right now he settles a lot outside so it's it's shot selection but also shooting efficiency where like uh, that's my number one nitpick with him is what level does that reach for him to become you know the guy
0: on your team at, at a total elite level last one mobley or ben caro ben caro Little edge. I just think the scoring outweighs the the def-
1: defense that Mobley provides. That's super close, though. Different apples and oranges right there. Paolo
0: or Anthony Edwards? Hmm. Paolo. Wow. I, I really like Paolo. Hey, I do, too. Yeah. But- Ant's really good, though. And he's still... I, uh, I
1: don't know. That's tough. That's really tough with those two.
0: The Paolo Mobley one, I agree with you on emphatically. Mm -hmm. Like I just, I just do. Even though I, I'd love to have Mobley on my team, I'd love to have him. But there's just some shit to Paolo, which I'll never forget. Like going over it and over it and over again. And I, that was Mike Miller. I was hanging out with him. He's his agent. It wasn't what flipped me because I was having a hard time figuring out who I ultimately was going to land on with number one between the three guys and. And I remember just talking with Mike and he's like, man, he's like, he's got some shit to him though. No yeah. He's got some <laughs> shit to him. And I was like, is he selling me? Is he trying to sell me on this? And he was right. He didn't lie. He didn't lie. Mm-hmm. Cause when you think of the other two compared to Paolo, but you know, Chet's easy to forget in all this conversation. I'm sure like you, there was a lot of teams I talked with. who were like, he is so good. They were like, stop making this complicated. The people that had Chet won. Um, but we've now at least seen the Paolo part of this in the NBA where there's just a fearlessness, but yet a not always forced fearlessness from him, which I think is an incredibly rare combination for a guy who could probably get more shots up, force the issue a little bit because of his athletic and size advantage that he has every single night. But he's still willing, and that's that's what I loved about him at Duke. It's it's what you know makes me love him now and why the over Anthony Edwards answer may not be wrong. But I have a harder time with that one than Mobley.
1: Yeah, I mean, so, big care. Oh, it's six ten. Six ten with his size, athleticism, fluidity, like that's it's really rare. I mean, who else is even in that category? LeBron. Yeah, I mean, you know, you're not comparing the two, but like strictly about you know having that size and strength, you know, the bulk with the speed. There's not a lot of guys that can do the things Bancaro does on the floor, and plus, like you said, you know, he he can pass too. He he doesn't force things. He can be a playmaker if needed. And, I mean, long-term, it'll be interesting to see what he turns into defensively, too, because he can move when he wants to lock in. Like, I, I think he could become one of those super versatile defenders in a playoff situation for the Magic sometime down the line. Like, imagine imagine having to go against that lineup. Franz Wagner, Paolo Benquero, having to stop those guys and score against them.
0: Bowl, bowl. Just bull bull, baby. Killing you in the corner. mm Okay, that was awesome. KOC with Chris Vernon, Tuesdays, Fridays. Also catch him on the Ringer NBA Draft Show uh, on all of his stuff, theringer.com. So the mismatch with Vernon. Um, Let me know. I'll be happy to jump on with you guys. Appreciate it, Ryan. Have a good day. This episode is brought to you by Kia's first three-row all-electric SUV, the Kia EV9, with available all-wheel drive that sets the pace and seating for up to seven adults. With 0-60 to speed that thrills you one moment and available lounge seats that unwind you the next. Visit kia.com slash EV9 to learn more. Ask your Kia dealer for availability. No system, no matter how advanced, can compensate for all driver error and or driving conditions. Always drive safely. This episode is brought to you by Cintas. In sports, you're always thinking of that next play. It's the same with business. Cintas has the products, people, and solutions that help keep you a step ahead. And your Cintas MVPs are the dedicated service reps who help make sure your team has what you need when you need it. They really got you covered. Cintas has workwear and apparel for almost any job imaginable. They have styles that are durable, comfortable, and great looking, and they'll deliver fresh uniforms back to your business every week. They'll deliver floor mats and restroom products and stock your essential cleaning supplies. They provide first aid supplies, safety training, and life-saving AED defibrillators. And then they'll even test and inspect your fire extinguishers, fire protection systems, and emergency exit lights. Visit Sintas.com and get ready for the workday. You want details? Fine. I drive a Ferrari 355 Cabriolet.
1: What's up? I have a ridiculous house in the South Fork. I have every toy you can possibly imagine. And best of all, kids, I am liquid. So now you know what's possible. Let me tell you what's required.
0: Life advice. The email address is lifeadvicerrgmail.com. Checking in with Kyle. What's up, man?
2: Just doing doing my best. Yesterday was pretty hard, um, but uh, still strong. So uh, I did have crazy dreams, like people said. Uh, the other night was about the worst night of sleep I've ever had. A lot of guns involved in my dreams. Like I woke up a lot, so I think I'll be taken off the patch before I go to bed. Went to Frolic yesterday, um, started immediately bargaining with myself and was like, well, maybe if I just leave a pack of cigarettes behind the bar and, you know, if I didn't do it, I didn't do it. So um, dug up an old jewel from uh, like two years ago. Still think that's disgusting. So um, I don't know. It's been rough, but uh, I'm still, if I'm your hero, because I got a lot of nice tweets of support and whatever. So uh, I'm still, still, still here three days in. Yeah. It appears a lot of nice emails as well. So how many beers did you have? uh like six probably and you didn't smoke i know well by by five i was like well what about that drawer can i put him in there and the, and the you know my buddy was like i guess if you want to man it kind of defeats the purpose so i was like well if i just come here to smoke so I, by by beer like five or six i'm like starting to think of ways i could get around this and be like oh, i'll only smoke when i drink and i'll only smoke here but uh i don't know hopefully I'll, i stay strong and don't do that Stay strong, buddy. Stay strong. By beer six, it did sound like a pretty good concession, but I'm still. Oh, yeah. All right. right,
0: Here we go. Uh, Big fan. 25, 61, 220, should be 200. Okay. Took place New Year's Eve, but it's still bothering me. My girlfriend and I were invited out with a friend of mine. Let's call him Mark uh, and his wife to the New Year's Eve event. The event was scheduled to be from 930 to one and was said to include an unlimited buffet, two free drinks, champagne and dessert at midnight, at DJ and live music.
2: I've been to those. <laughs>
0: yeah, the Not dessert promise makes me think the whole thing's fraudulent. You know, like how locked in is your staff going to be where <laughs> we're doing unlimited buffet, two free drinks, champagne and dessert? Is the dessert really going to be at midnight? You guys have your shit tight like that? <laughs> huh.
2: People are standing at midnight. They're not sitting down.
0: Yeah, I don't, I don't know. Like, you would be sitting there with a fucking piece of tiramisu going, man, they really nailed this whole event. <laughs> uh, the total cost is kind of pricey, but that's to be expected for New Year's Eve. Mark offered to prepay for the event. We pay him back at the end of the night. Mark also invited another friend. Um, I, I, I hope these names are changed here. All right. Yeah. He said, let's call him Mark. Because, you know, we had one last week where now looking back on it, it was way too harsh to include names and locations. Um, And that's, I don't love that the emailer did it. And then it turned into like her husband and trying to be getting that email through. And what I don't necessarily like, it's happened a few times. I think it's kind of funny with the boyfriend stuff, but, you know, this isn't a public service. We're just going to call out people for you. Um, So I'll clean them up more on my own if I, if I, I should have done it with that one. So, uh, it was, it was just, it was just too much and I should have been,
2: i have been doing and this long enough. That's been wiped by the way. It's gone. So like, uh, yeah, yeah tighten your shit up or you might lose your life advice. <laughs> so <laughs> it might just go away if somebody requests it apparently. So, uh, that one's gone.
0: No, just looking back on it. and Then when I found that the husband had also sent in the email and then it was like, okay, so the, you know, the wife was going to, Get involved but I didn't I didn't know you know what I mean like I don't yeah. remember every what single we know email I didn't about. even see them all you know what I mean so reading back on it because it was pretty specific I was like you know what we didn't need to do that Okay. So back to this one. Um, he said the other guy's name, let's call him Mark. So I appear, it appears he's changing this one too. This one's not, not like the other one. So he goes, the other friend, Jake and his wife, we never met. They'll come into play later. We get there immediately realize it was a mistake. The event was poorly planned. There were too many people, not enough food. The staff couldn't keep up with the demand. We barely ate anything because there was nothing to eat. We never got our free drinks. The DJ was awful. And the live music was a single violinist. Okay. This is not a great night.
2: <laughs> a single violinist.
0: <laughs> yeah. I think I went to that pizza place. Was this in Mexico City? (laughs) The queso pizza? Right. Oh, was that gross? Mark felt bad, started ordering top-shelf bottles for the table to enhance the vibes. Oh, I know what's going to happen here. Well, that's pretty expensive. Just ordering a top-shelf bottle? Like, you're at least 500 bucks in per bottle. Yeah. So... All right. About eleven, Mark's son at home with a babysitter had a medical emergency, and Mark had to go home. This left oh, us no. with a couple we had never met. We ended up going home before midnight, nauseous and hungry. Well, how do you know they didn't deserve, serve the dessert? You weren't even <laughs> you weren't even there then. Okay, so you're out pre midnight. Of course, as expected, on Monday, I get a text from Mark. Here's your total. I totally understand where he's coming from. He had prepaid it. It wasn't his fault. Everything sucked, and his night was worse than mine. I obviously paid him in full. Fast forward to Friday, I get a text from Jake, who I just met that night. Since everyone left early, I was left with a bill for drinks. Here's what you owe me. Uh, I never asked for those drinks to be ordered, and I think I may have had a single shot of tequila. It's not Jake's fault, and he shouldn't have to pay for me. It's Mark's fault, so I felt like I have to pay him also. Overall, I'm willing to just chalk it up to a shitty night, but a $500 shitty night really isn't sitting right with me. I work in sports, not exactly making bank. Your career conversation in the pot are big motivator for me. Thanks. Yeah, no problem. Totally get it. 500 stings like fucking crazy. That's why you're still upset. That's why you're emailing us. Um, he continues and finishes. I'm upset with Mark. You can't really say anything. If I called the restaurant to complain, they'd have no idea who I am as my name wasn't on the reservation. They'd also tell you to go fuck yeah. off super quick. <laughs> yes. <laughs> like, I don't even know what your argument is. I didn't really drink that much. So my tab shouldn't have been that much. Um, you guys. Yeah. I mean, I guess if he's getting back and wants to fight him on, hey, that thing wasn't even close to what you built. It sucked. They knew it wasn't going to be a good night. They knew it wasn't. They were selling tickets to people that didn't have other plans and they're taking advantage of you. You know they probably had better ideas, but you know sounds a bit firefesty, so yes. I'm not sure. I'm not sure they thought it was going to be that great of a night. So I get I get your point, right? But if you're not on the reservation, then you know what are they really going to do? Give you a, a discount to their Easter Next fest? Time? Yeah, <laughs> St. Patty's yeah. Day with
2: the, the, the right corned beef
0: roast. <laughs> right, probably a better drinking day than Easter. Great call. Unlimited cabbage. I'm not sure what I should do about this, if anything. If there's any way for me to feel better out it, should I do anything or just move on and get over it? Um, And what do I do next time Mark has to go out? He's already done the got to do this right the next time text. Hey, look, Mark tried to make a play. I don't know. What's his resume on this? Is he always a bad planner? Well, then you got to tell Mark to stop planning shit or you can take it over. Um, This is it's a shitty night for everybody involved, but you really don't have much recourse. Like no one's to blame and everyone's to blame, right? Nothing is on my horizon except everything. Everything is on my horizon. So, with this one, like we've all been there, man. Like the shit will happen. Well, the only thing that I don't quite understand was why was Mark ordering high end bottles um, and then leaving? And then when you left, you didn't offer up anything to Jake that was still there. So he's thinking, wait, this guy's going to leave and didn't offer me any money. Like everybody's thinking, everyone involved is complicit and so therefore everyone's going to square it up a little bit later on i honestly think you kicking in was the right thing to do right even if that money part of it sucks and look i don't want to sound dismissive about the money thing at all i don't because i but i also have done all of these things and done plenty of them wrong and it's just kind of you know like we've said a few times you're chalking this one up to the game and the game is that sometimes you go out and especially if you allow yourself to be taken advantage of on some of these New Year's Eve deals that are going to suck. You don't know anybody. It's a place you've never been. No one else is like, I don't know where the fuck Mark ran into this whole this whole circus. But, um, you know, this... Th- This is stuff that happens. It's stuff that happens. we'll get all these emails about it. Like, what should I do? Or what should I do? Did you think you were going to skate through life in the social world of not having a night where you got fucked over on a tab? (laughs) Like you could stay in for the rest of your life and it'll never happen. I can guarantee it. You'll never have an awkward, hey, I only had an app and this, and I don't even know that person. And why was this person drinking top shelf Coke? You want to avoid it for the rest of your life? Never do anything. There you go. Problem solved. But that's not much fun. Most of us want to do things, not never do anything ever again. So I think you chalk this one up to the game and the vulnerability of a night like New Year's Eve. And I know that 500 blows, but it also blows for Mark because he had to pay money too, even though it was his fault for setting this up. It also blows for this Jake guy who was getting stuck with all the bottle service. Yeah. And then everybody left a- early. So like, did everybody think he was just going to pay for it all? Like, and again, when you order a bottle to the table and you drink some of it, there's no standard where I've ever heard like, I had a third of this bottle, not a half. (laughs) You had six drinks. I had two. So let's figure out the math. Like, I I don't know. This is just a, a tale as old as time. It's happened. It's going to happen again. It's unavoidable. It's going to just hope it doesn't happen that often. Sorry, dude.
2: Yeah. I think new year's is one of those things, especially one of those all inclusive. It's like, New Year's is also one of those nights where, like, I wouldn't be surprised if if I woke up Monday, and was like, "Wow, it was three hundred dollars, huh?" All right, didn't feel like a three hundred dollar night, but I guess I you know, I guess that's what happens. So I th- I do think $500 is a lot. Um, I think I, you could maybe chalk it up to Mark, like, "Oh, uh, that my kid's got a problem. I got to get out of here." I mean, maybe he just couldn't wait for the waiter to come around to be like, "Hey, could you put?" You know, maybe he didn't have cash and maybe he had to run his card or something. I don't know. I mean, I think Mark thought he did the right thing by leaving and not stopping everyone else's night. Because if that's, that sounds like, sounds like Mark might be the money guy in this friendship. He was like, oh, forget it. Like sort of like the guy who puts the Airbnb on his credit card and we'll figure it out later. Cause there's a couple guys in that group that are like, uh, my credit card won't even allow me to book a, you know, five days worth of an Airbnb. So maybe Mark's the money guy and he didn't think as much of money as you did. And it's just sort of like, like, cause he, he probably just didn't think it was such a big deal and we could figure this out later is what I mean. Because if he's got to leave at like 11 and you guys are planning on staying till 1231, he was probably like, I have to go now. I've got a bit of a family emergency. Uh, I can't really end your guys' night by getting the waiter to come in and do tabs at 11 o'clock. And we'll just figure this out later. That's what I think. It probably wasn't as big a deal to Mark as it is to you. And I'm sure Mark got that text as well. So I think everybody lost in the end. I think. For the Jake guy, probably a shitty way to end his New Year's. You know, your next day was not as good. But yeah, everyone everyone had a shitty time. And this is why you don't do shit like this for New Year's. I'm a house party guy or regular bar guy.
0: Yeah, have a plan where there's at least something that's established in a place you already know to avoid this. But I went back and read this line again. Mark felt bad, started ordering Top shelf bottles for the table to enhance the vibes. The vibes are never free, man. Yeah, They're never free for the men. All right. They're usually free for the for the female guests. Women. Men have been paying for vibes for years, for decades, generations. Uh, I don't understand why Mark felt like he was going to order top shelf stuff. He was going to leave early, and then you thought you were going to leave early. Hey, do we even know if his kid was sick, or did he go? The vibe sucks so bad.
2: It's <laughs> this a curb situation. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, right. Do you get some kind of medical proof? I, you know, then you know. Do you still want to be friends with Mark? Is my question. If you do, let this one go. And, you know, Jake probably thinks you guys suck.
2: <laughs> yeah, I say don't go right? anywhere you need to buy so, a ticket.
0: I have to know, like, did Mark order top shelf bottles and then left and then you left and then Jake was still sitting there? And because he drank them, I don't know, did he drink them all and then you guys drank none and then he hit you up with the bill? I don't know, man. Everybody's kind of guilty, but no one's to blame. How about that? I've, I've said everybody's to blame, but no one is uh that's just all right we're done we're done did enough on that okay kyle you want to do more, more club one or you want to do a relationship thing just get let's the do club a, ones over here let's do a club because, one yeah yeah post new year's eve all right 25 65 205 bench 285 squat 330. stats are actually fairly relevant to the story although as a true gym bro i wouldn't spare the chance to share them even if they weren't there you go a few weeks ago Group of buddies and I were out of the town getting after a major market city that we all grew up in the vicinity of. We were having a great time. The bar was crowded. Drinks were flowing. The vibes were high then. And what you will soon see, uh, see turned out to be an all-time done decision. My friends and I decided to pivot to a place down the street which was a bit more of a club type atmosphere. Hey, you're 25, man. It happens. Wait until you're older, it happens. You're know, like, yeah, this is a great idea. No one is uh, we pulled into the place and the line to get in was nuts, like wrapped around the building, moving at absolute snail's pace. We quickly realized what a dumb decision it was to leave the previous bar, not wanting to kill the momentum of the night. I decided to discreetly offer a group of four, two guys, two girls in the middle of the line, 50 bucks to act like they knew us and let us cut them. It was only me and three of my friends, so it wasn't an obscene amount of people and nobody behind us in the line saw what happened or seemed to care. The one guy accepted my offer, but what I assumed was his girlfriend quickly became outraged at me as if I had done something wrong. She begins to taunt me, even though in reality her boyfriend could have simply declined my offer and there have been no issue. A few minutes go by. My friend lights a cigarette. And let's be bump one. I don't smoke, but I had a nice buzz going. and was in the mood you. Yeah, we don't need this, Kyle. All of a sudden, the girl who was just talking shit turns to me and goes, can I have a smoke? I look <laughs> at her completely dumbfounded and say, no, why the fuck would I give you a smoke? And call her a few names along the way. I won't repeat. Right. Well. She then absolutely loses on me, proceeding to scream in my face for the next 20 minutes as the line is a complete standstill. I did not respond to a word she said, silently looking past her as her boyfriend, who was about a foot shorter than me, refused to back her up despite her frequent attempts to egg him into the situation. Finally, their group decides to exit the line and go somewhere else. I felt a sense of relief that me and my friends no longer had to deal with their antics. Then, as they're about 10 feet away, the boyfriend, who was too much of a weenie to say anything to my face, begins to run his mouth from a safe distance. Uh, uh, I approached them, not really with the intention of doing anything, but more as an intimidation ploy. The girl protects her boyfriend like a mama bear <laughs> protecting the cub, then smacks me in the face. A ring cut my lip, and I immediately had blood dripping down my uh, chin. The girl and her boyfriend ran off, and I had to deal with the repercussions from my friends about getting rocked by this girl in front of a huge line of people. Every time I see my group now, I'm constantly reminded and shamed about what happened. They act like I should have done something. Clearly, the girl's <laughs> off limits, but should I have chased this guy down and at the very least, given him a scare? I know the drunk fights are never worth the potential outcome. However, this is an extreme case where I should have done something to protect my pride. <laughs> I think you should be happy this didn't end up way worse. I mean, this yeah. is your fault. Um, a lot of this stuff is always our fault, but you decide to talk to strangers about cutting a line and the person that it would accept the 50 bucks, you know, like, what kind of agreement are you entering with them there? And then you tell her off because she told you off. And so now you're just arguing with a stranger that you gave next 50 to this bucks. Person
2: yeah. And everyone moves like, over man, two
0: feet. <laughs> right. And now we could sit here for 30 minutes and hate each other's guts after That's I just gave you a 50. <laughs> That's where, the And then cigarette. it's going to be like, oh, wait, now can I have a cigarette? And then she's going to tell you off for 20 minutes. And then clearly the guy was never going to do anything until it felt like he didn't have to worry about it. And then what are you supposed to do? Beat him up. I mean, honestly, you're lucky this only ended with you with a cut lip because clearly she was an absolute wild card. Um, she, you know, I don't know what you said to her too, but I think you guys enter an agreement with each other under pretty shady circumstances. And, the, sh- the fact that it didn't go smoothly, but like, what are your boys going to do? Like, what are they going to say? Like, this could have gone so much worse, right? You could have beat up the guy. Then you could have a lawsuit. You could have gotten arrested, right?
2: Bouncers could have yoked you up, yeah.
0: Right. She could have kept punching the shit out of you and then yelled at the bouncers that you put your hands on her. And then the bouncers are fucking you up, right? So, honestly, this could have gone way worse. It didn't. Uh, dudes give each other a hard time. That's part of it. It's a funny story. You'll <laughs> yeah. laugh about it a lot more, you know, removed Later. a few yeah. more weeks. We can laugh about it now. Yeah, like I, I don't think this is really that big of a deal. You shouldn't beat yourself up about it because a girl just beat you up. But, um, you know, you'll be fine, dude. You'll be fine. You'll get through this.
2: Yeah, I, I, one of my rules I try to follow, it's like, you know, I just try not to call women names, especially drunk women, because drunk women may punch you or smack you in the face. And then, you know, the rules that we've all kind of agreed to generally don't hit women and you're not supposed to hit people. So I generally don't call people names. I try not to call women names, especially not drunk women. That's a good rule to follow. I can't say that I may have said no to the cigarette, but I wouldn't have been no because you're a beep beep. beep. I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have like thrown a bunch of things, especially because what we said earlier, you're in a line and now you're all like, Now we'll just be quiet for 20 minutes? Probably not. (laughs) That's probably not going to happen. You should have kind of looked at this red flag woman right there and been like, let me not do anything to, if you were going to like walk down the street and you you know, that's a different thing. But to be standing in a line next to each other for however long it takes, that was just a poor planning decision by you. And then the last thing I'll say is my buddy got tackled by a woman in college and we loved it. If she, he got tackled at a house party by a woman. I think she was on the rugby team, women's rugby. And like, that's not going to go away. It still Brink gets brought up every once in a while. Each of us kind of has one thing that we're like, Hey, remember when this happened for this guy It's getting tackled by a woman and this might be your thing for a while. And that's okay because you know, nothing, you didn't make a bad de- decision and, and do something horrible after the fact. It's just one of those funny things. So, um, <laughs> you got yourself a story. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I would have, I think if, as far as like this guy was talking about, you know, curating the vibes and like offering 50 bucks, trying to keep the night going. I would have made better decisions in the line once you got there. For a guy who cares about the vibes, you kind of did, you did some things to set it in motion that the vibes took a turn. So just be more there careful out there. Okay, that's life advice. Thanks to Kyle. Thanks to everyone listening.
0: Brian Russell, a podcast ringer spot
3: Once COVID happened, I was just like, I'm, I want to wear jogging pants and joggers and all kinds of soft pants as much as I possibly can, especially when I'm working out. Ultra comfortable and versatile ABC pants are really in a league of their own. Buy a pair right now at lululemon.com. This episode is brought to you by Lincoln and the all new 2024 Nautilus Hybrid featuring customizable 48 inch panoramic display, available Revel audio system, and available perfect position front seats with active motion massage. Oh my God, the world isn't wide enough. Visit lincoln.com to learn more. Some models, trims, and features may not be available or may be subject to change. Check with your local retailer for current information. Lincoln and Nautilus are trademarks of Ford or its affiliates.